Your Crime or Mine is a podcast hosted by Patrice Gentile and Kristen Heen, which covers all sorts of true crime topics and cases. The intention of the podcast is not to sympathize with or glorify those who commit crimes nor excuse their behaviors, but a desire to understand why people do the things they do and what driving factors or forces, if any, contribute to these horrible actions and events. Listener discretion is advised. I'm doing well. Welcome to Your Crime Remind, everyone. Well, um, yeah, so we're on episode nine then. This mm-hmm. is my crime. This is Patrice, by the way. Better be good. That's Kristen. You know, it's way. funny. I realized in listening to podcasts, especially when there's like two men or two women, that I really don't know. The voices? Or, and I don't differentiate between the two people. Okay, so... If you're listening at home, a good way to differentiate us would be... Patrice's voice is sexier. My voice is sexier. Yeah, she's I, got the telephone operator voice. I'm the one that doesn't apologize after or before I cuss. <laughs> <clears throat> Kristen, for some reason, feels like she needs Kristen to... Kristen is the one that didn't cuss at all in episodes one through three and then unleashed the F-bombs. Kristen is also just the one that referred to her in third person. Kristen. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I did. That was me. Um, yeah. And but I don't think people really care because I realize that when I listen to podcasts, I really don't care. What, Honestly, who's who? Yeah. Who's talking? Like a couple of my like favorite duos. I'm trying to think, but like yeah. even on my favorite murder, which I like, not my favorite, but I like it. I have no idea which one is talking. Oh my gosh. I didn't know the first few episodes, but now it's clear as a bell. Yeah. Clear as a bell. Okay. I love it. Maybe you have to get like super into it. Yeah. We do have similar sounding voices though. Yours is slightly more soft. What? No way. I'm she, she said She just said, what? Like the softest. What? What? Am I soft? Like a word landing on a I pillow. <laughs> I consider myself so much more shrill. And when, oh. And, when I, and I edit it. So, gosh. And I find myself just clipping things that I say hey, left and I've right. I've noticed that you edit out some juicy little tidbits that I like. Well, things that I say? No. There was like a little banter. We were going, we were going back and forth the other day. And like, I did edit I out the, about like, 20 minutes of Zach Efron talk. Oh, oh you yeah, guys thought that was that a lot was of Zach? Yeah, there was a lot left on the cutting room floor with that you one. You don't cut. I don't want to see any bit of Efron on that cutting room <laughs> floor, okay? You know I'm going to be on my knees gluing that shit back together. Mm-hmm. Oops, sorry. No. <laughs> Love you, Zach. Anyways, so let's get into it because there's a lot of stuff to unpack and with I, this I think this is fitting because we're in Baltimore. Yeah, we're coming to you from Glass 
wall room. It's like glass walls on three sides, and people are driving and walking by and can see us. And yeah, that's kind of cool. That's where we are. It's a whole so, different feel from our last. It's a whole, It's suit. very. It's so much more professional. Anyways, um, so today I'm going to be discussing the death of Sean Suter. Um, this is this is fitting, like you were saying, because this is a um, a crime, an unsolved murder that occurred uh, in November of last year. So just 2017. Yeah, um, November fifteenth. Wow. So um, just and I do not have months. background on this. So Kristen has no background on this. This um, so this happened uh, not far from where we are. I mean. I, I, I passed this area on my way home from work. Um, so anyways, Sean Suter was um, a Baltimore City police detective. Um, he was uh, a 19-year veteran of the BPD, Baltimore Police Department. And he was 43 at the time of his death. Um, he was a father of five. So he left behind his wife, Nicole and their five children, Sean Jr., Chris, Marcus, Zaria, and Demira. They were Baltimore city residents? Um, I don't know if they were city or county residents because okay. to, to work, I mean, to be a police officer in Baltimore City, you don't have to live. Of course here, not, yeah. Which I was I just think curious where they resided. Off topic, but I think that should be a regulation. I think that people would give a little bit more about this the city if it was yeah the way Baltimore is set up like there's this little veil of Baltimore County and the suburbs and yeah well and people come in and work in the city but yeah my um next door neighbors are these like kind of like Republican like gun-toting rednecks and like the father we have any problem with that (laughs) not that there's a problem with that not that there's a problem with that um but may not be exactly our views but the um the father and I think one of the sons, or maybe two of the sons, one of the sons is, um, they're both police officers and they wanted to work in our county or like a smaller, more quiet county. And they were told that they had, like the son had to work in Baltimore City for a certain amount of years before transferring to his preferred county. because. Really? Because they were just oversaturated there and you have to like work your way up. So then what you have are um, disgruntled young men who don't want to be here, who don't, who don't have uh, any allegiance to the city that are coming in to work every day and protect the residents here. And they don't give a fuck because... Oh, sure. Like, that's what I was saying. If you're living <laughs> you know? in the suburbs of Baltimore, in the county where it's that nice upper middle class you know, area. And then yeah. you're coming into the city as a police officer and policing this impoverished area. And you don't care about the residents you know, you, or the community or the well-being. You, you drive into because it you get and to you drive go out home. of it. Yeah. You get to go home every night. And I think that... No, I agree. Anyways, so we're getting off topic. Let me get into this. So on November 15th, 2017, Sean Suter was shot and killed in the Harlem Park neighborhood of West Baltimore while on duty. He was shot in the head at close range with his own gun, which was left at the scene. He died at the University of Maryland shock trauma the following day. His death has been ruled a homicide, but to this day, no suspects have been identified despite a record high 
$215,000 reward for information. Whoa. That's wow. a little summary. Um, so very important fact, uh, one day before Suter was shot, he was, um, I'm sorry, Suter was shot one day before he was scheduled to testify before a federal grand jury that was continuing to investigate claims involving the Baltimore Gun Trace Task Force, which we'll get into. Okay. So the setup is he's shot and killed while on the job, and the following day he was set to testify. And you're probably going to give me more info about the circumstances. Like, was he alone? Did he have a partner with him? Oh, I'm going to, girl, I'm going to, let me unpack, let me get this bag up on this table and unpack all of this. <sighs> unpack it. Um, so a police source who asked to remain anonymous because he was not authorized to discuss the case publicly said that Souter was trying to find a witness in a 2016 triple shooting that he was investigating. Okay. So this is what brought him to that area that day. There was a triple homicide and he from a couple of years ago and he was still looking into it. Um, so he and in another detective, his partner, while looking for this witness, uh, noticed some suspicious activity in a vacant lot in the middle of the 900 block of Bennett Place. So what happened is the two detectives split up when they see this suspicious activity and apparently to cover different exits of the block. And that okay. is when Shooter, that is when Shooter met shot. the shooter. <laughs> That's when Shooter was shot. So in the aftermath of the shooting, Souter was put into the back of a police car to be driven to shock trauma. And I actually like Google directioned like Bennett, the 900 block of Bennett place in Maryland shock trauma. It's a four minute drive. Okay. So, so he right was there. with another officer is the officer that went the other direction. Um, what his partner? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll cover all that. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I guess so like, ahead of myself. So um, it's a four minute drive, but the police car collided with another police car and oh, good job, while guys. on the way to shock trauma and so then Suter was like unloaded and put into an ambulance before going to the hospital yeah so um basically a timeline of events is that on the 15th um the shooting occurs at 4 30 p.m which is important because we're talking like daylight. Rush hour. Yeah, you're talking... In Baltimore at 4.30 on a weekday, it's moving. Yeah. Um, BPD confirmed the death of... the death to the media at 5.42 the next day. At a 9 p.m. press conference, um, so he, he was shot on the 15th. He died the 16th in the hospital. Okay. Um, at a 9 p.m. press conference that night, former commissioner Kevin Davis, um, without releasing Suter's name, said the detective had been investigating a recent homicide. Um, so Davis also went on to say that Suter's autopsy results provided additional evidence that he believed would help them identify the killer. Um, then the following week, Davis revealed that Souter was scheduled to testify against a squad of indicted officers. 
So this is when people oh, start to talk. Oh, shit. Yeah, like the gun so, trace task force was so made the whole up time of- I'm sitting here thinking that it was probably civilians that knew he was investigating a case, but it was actually... I mean, what, it could be... It could be anything. Um, but he was scheduled to testify against his own, like, officers that he had worked with at a certain point in his career. And do we know what that crime was? Um, what? Well, what? yeah, yeah, I will definitely, yeah, there's a whole list, there's a whole list of crimes. On December 1st, so this is a couple weeks after the shooting, Commissioner Davis had asked the FBI to take over the investigation, and it took 26 days for the FBI to respond. But on December 27th, they rejected the request, saying that they did not believe that his shooting was tied into the gun task force. Um, Easy enough. Yeah. (laughs) So on February 5th of this year, so a couple months, a month ago, a month and a half ago, Detective, and I'm not going to say this name right, but Detective Mamadou Gondo testified that he used to steal money with Souter. So Gondo was one of the members of the task force that was tried, pleaded guilty. In the same task force that they found this murder would have had no connection to. Yeah. So when he's on the stand in February, he testifies that he used to steal money with Souter. This is last month. Yeah. Um, Suter had worked earlier in his career with at least three of the indicted officers, and one of them testified that he that Suter was involved somehow. Um, so let me go into the gun trace task force a little bit. So this is a unit of nine officers, eight which would eventually be found guilty. Um, so nine Wait, cops guilty of of. Well, I'll get into their charges, but nine cops um, under the cover of an elite task force team. You've seen The Wire, right? How like these, like this ragtag group of like detectives and cops, like kind of form their own um, like narcotic division and things kind of, and they kind of do things outside of the box or whatever. Picture that, but like a million times worse. So. They stole and robbed from Baltimore, the city and its residents. Um, They stole hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash, drugs, and jewelry. Uh, The six who pleaded guilty were Thomas Allers, Mamandu Gondu, Evodio Hendricks, Wayne Jenkins, Jamel Rayam, and Maurice Ward. And then another two, Daniel Hersel and Marcus Taylor, pleaded not guilty, but all eight were found um, guilty and convicted in February. There was only one member of this task force that was not charged with any crimes because it was proven that he wasn't very involved with the team, which I thought was funny when I was reading that. So there's nine guys in this team. Eight are found guilty. And there's like one. One. I just like was picturing it. And I was like, I bet when they were like going out to do all this shit, he was just like, no, guys, I'm good. I'm I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna do all this paperwork. I know you guys hate paperwork or like, you know what? I'm gonna tell you guys you're doing something sketchy as fuck and I'm okay. My wife packed me a lunch. So you guys go ahead, have a good time. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna go ahead and not get arrested and commit crimes. Yeah. So um, the task force was originally formed to get guns and violent criminals off the streets, which is very ironic. 
um, in an investigation spanning over several years conducted by the FBI. They uncovered corruption. Um, this task force robbed people. They carried toy guns to plant as fake evidence in case they killed an armed person. They clocked in overtime when they weren't working at all. And um, just to go into some detailed, uh, detailed things that came up in court, they would use illegal GPS trackers to chase down their targets for a robbery. So like if they knew they were chasing, if they knew of like a specific drug dealer or someone that would be ha like carrying a lot of money on their person, they would put GPS trackers on their car okay. to monitor their moves and then like pull them over and rob them. These are cops I'm talking about. Holy um, shit. In July 2016, the officers picked up a married couple even though there was no evidence of any crime that they that they were doing. They found out that the couple had $40,000 in a house outside of the city and proceeded to search the property for uh, the cash. Wait, how do you how do you just like come upon that information? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that they like scouted these people. So, they find out this couple has 40 grand. They go to the house which is located outside of Baltimore City, which is nowhere where they belong. Um, they take 20 grand from them before calling other law enforcement to the home, um, stating that they had uncovered criminal activity with no actual evidence. In another case, officers took a man's house keys, found out where he lived through police database searches, and went to the house where they found drugs, and they allegedly took $100,000 from a safe, which had $200,000 in it. Then they filmed a video of themselves pretending to open the safe for the first time as like to cover their asses. Um, during the 2015 Baltimore riots over the police killing of Freddie Gray, one officer allegedly um, stopped eluding at a pharmacy, like at a Walgreens or CVS. He stopped um, these men from like looting the drugs at this pharmacy only to take the stolen drugs for himself where he put them back on the street, like gave them to a drug dealer to put back on the streets, and then they split the profits. Holy shit. Um, the cops had reportedly found a gun and a pound and a half of marijuana in an illegal warrantless search. And what they did is they stole the marijuana, they sold it back to a drug dealer and then they also put the firearm back on the street so they sold the firearm and put it back on the street this is the, the, gun. the levels of corruption no this is the gun trace task force team that is their only job is to remove drugs and firearms from the streets and they're finding them and selling them and putting them back on the streets so one officer um uh, was said to carry BB guns in case they accidentally hit someone or like shoot someone or get into a shootout so they could plant them. So basically like I shot this person, I'm going to go over, plant this gun on them. So then when I'm interviewed, I can say, well, I saw he had a weapon on him. Do you ever see, do you ever hear in the news, like they shot him and he had like, a, but he had like a water gun or like a toy gun on him. Sure. And we yeah. thought it was a real gun. This is what they were doing, but they were planting those guns. Not surprised. I mean, so 
Another cop allegedly took a month off, a month of time off from work to remodel his home and he forged his time card and was still paid for that entire month. <laughs> Another claimed overtime, said he was working overtime while he was on vacation. So were these Myrtle suitors Beach. friends or foes? So he had worked with three of these men. So out of the eight that and I'm talking about. he was not about, on the task force. He was not on, he was not a part of the task force. He had worked with three of them at some point so in his 19-year So was he a whistleblower as far as? Um, so what... What um, I think happened was that he was there, he was riding in a car one day when two of these men pulled over a car. They really quickly were like over by the car and then they called Suter to come search the car. And Suter found drugs in the car. Turns out those drugs were planted by the officers who were over there before they called him over. So I think what his, the point of his testimony was to say, yes, I found these drugs. Yes, they told me to come over. Yes, they were by the car before I got there. No, like, yes, you know, I think it was something along the lines of that. But it's funny that you say that you're not surprised by all of those accounts because... Well, because I did watch The Wire. <laughs> yeah, and the, I think the funny thing was that when this all came to light in the news and the media, people were shocked and disgusted and outraged that, like, this is where our tax, like, our tax money pays their salaries, you know? But the funny thing is, is that the people of Baltimore City, particularly people of color, were like, yeah, we know. You're not telling us anything new. Like, this has been going on for years, and... And the corruption in the police department is yeah, nothing shocking. So, and when you think of all the time and the resources spent on looting the city and putting guns and weapons back on the streets and drugs back on the streets, instead of using those years and those resources to get violent criminals off the streets, it's got to be one of the biggest failures of government, state level. Agree. Yeah. So... Um, recently an article, I'm, I'm getting all of my information from the Baltimore Sun, which every article in the Sun has been written, has been written by this, uh, journalist named Justin Fenton. So thank you, Justin Fenton for all of this info. Um, and then an, also an article on Vox, which gave me like all of the gun task force, um, charges. Gotcha, okay. So... An article just came out actually on March 22nd, so last week, and it basically revealed new details into Suter's death that are now bringing up the possibility of a suicide, which makes me, it makes me pretty angry, um, but I also think it's important to So wait, hear. Where, where was he shot? So he was, so he was found by his partner. He was found laying face down, and he had been shot once in the head with his own service weapon, which was, it was, found, it was found beneath his body. So the service weapon was on the ground. His body was on top of it. Got it. Um, moments before his death, surveillance cameras showed Suter pacing back and forth on the street and then darting out of view and into the lot where three shots rang out. Have you watched the surveillance video? I haven't, no. Um, some people say that the location of the gun and the pacing back and forth looked like he was preparing himself and suggesting that maybe he was preparing himself to commit suicide, but trying to stage it so that it looked like a murder. 
I guess because if this off, if he had committed suicide, his family wouldn't receive. His yeah, pension? I think we know from Aaron Hernandez's right. case. <laughs> um, I think that the people that are saying that in the like within the BPD are just frustrated because this is a stalled case. This is one of their own that was shot and killed, and they cannot. They can't solve it. I mean, honestly, so I it sounds to me that he could have been shot and killed by one of their own, too. They probably yeah. just want it done. Yeah. I think that the BPD calling this a suicide is just a way for them to say, well, no wonder we can't solve it. So sources say the bullet that ultimately killed Suter entered behind his right ear and it traveled forward and exited from his left temple and i'm sorry if you're committing suicide you yeah do not put as soon as i read behind that. your right ear yeah sorry. as soon as i read that i kind of like made the motion and it's a very awkward it's very awkward like to but it's a place that if somebody was coming up behind you and maybe put their left hand on the left shoulder mm-hmm. and a right arm yeah behind. well the, another thing is is that you have to remind yourself that this is his own weapon and he had dirt he had like ground dirt on like the knee of his pants, which suggests that maybe he got into like a scuffle. Altercation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it exited his left temple and the trajectory, it kind of um, looked like he was either on his knees Honestly, that makes total or it was sense like falling to, to his knees. If somebody walked up behind him with the gun, put their shoulder like around his left shoulder and put the gun up to his left right ear told him to shut the F up, blah, 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 blah. That is exactly the trajectory that yeah, that bullet would take. It would come out of your left temple. I mean, and there's no way you would do that to yourself. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the main points that people are saying that this could not be a suicide is that dirt was found on his pants, indicating a scuffle. There was some kind of unintelligible radio transmission because he did have his... When they found his body, he still had his radio in his left hand. Um, And there was like the staticky transmission, which I think they... uh, happened during the scuffle, was what they think. Um, So Suter's partner said that leading up to the shooting... Suter was not acting strange or unusual um, when they were together, and he did not witness the shooting because he um, had entered the vacant lot right after it occurred. Now, remind me of Suter's family dynamic. Was he married? He was. He was married and had five children. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so do we get to what did his wife? Or anyone close to him have any input? Yeah, they, they all said that he was... Um, I mean, healthy marriage, you know, he was a very wonderful, But what about his position on the police force and those types of things? Um, he was well-liked by all of his coworkers, by all of his colleagues, and he was good at, everyone said he was really good at his job, and he was just, like, a good person. Um, so I think, yeah, I think you will read accounts where people try to like say, oh, he was involved with this task force as well. And I just don't think that, I mean, maybe he was, but it just doesn't sound like from his character, from how people described him, that gotcha. he would have been. Okay. Um, so, so basically, his partner enters the vacant lot right after the shooting and didn't see another person fleeing. 
if we take in, if we take what his partner sure, saying as the truth. Sure, if we believe his account. So the vantage point that his, but the vantage point that his partner had, you can describe it as like a slice of the pie of what really was going on, because he could only like partially see Suter from from where he was. He couldn't see anything like next to his body. He could only like see him partially. But see, he had to hear the gunshots. He was right there. Yeah, and there there were three shots reportedly heard, but there was only one point of entry and, and exit. See that further negates suicide yeah you're not gonna fire warning shots before you kill yourself right yeah um his partner did not have his radio on him so instead when he saw that shooter had been shot he called 911 from his cell phone and he did not move from his position until the responding officers arrived so he did not approach the body or go towards him until the other officers got there. Even to see if he was still breathing? No, because he didn't know if, if someone was still there. Or, I mean, this is a yeah, vacant lot. I guess I can see that, that if he would have been assaulted. That. Yeah. This but is I don't a know. If like, you're a cop buildings. and you see your partner down, I can't imagine hanging back. Yeah. I mean, that had to have been a, a fairly criticized move, I would think. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is this is a vacant lot. It's surrounded by buildings and row homes. And he originally thought that maybe the shots Somebody came fled. from a window. Oh, okay. And so you're not going to run into this empty lot. Yeah. Um, once backup arrived, body camera footage shows the responding patrol officers approaching Suter as he lay in the lot. And then they turned him over. And that's when their, their body cameras captured the image of like his gun on the ground. So that's how we know that. So they found the, the the bullet like embedded in the dirt nearby, and just one bullet or yeah, others? they found the it, they were able to determine that that was the bullet from the shot that punctured him, went through his head. What um, about the other two? I don't I don't them? know. They didn't mention them, so I don't know if they were found. But because of the trajectory and because of where the bullet was found, they say it's pretty likely that he was either on his knees when he was shot or he was in the process of falling to his knees. Another source says he's struggling with the idea that Suter's death was a suicide because it means that like Suter would have had to needed to, he would have had to needed like the presence of mind to act like he was engaging in a suspect, but knowing that his partner was so close and knowing that it was possible for someone at 4.30 to see him in one of the surrounding buildings, which is a really good point. You know, like if I you're, don't think this was if suicide. If you're like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill myself, but I need to like consider that my partner's nearby and it's 4.30 and I need to make it look like I'm... N- I just... Yeah, yeah, I don't see that as a... His computer and his phone were both examined and neither revealed any evidence or preparation for suicide on them. Um, He did, however, he took a call from his lawyer, like right before the shooting occurred, he took a call from his lawyer, and they were just talking about a meeting that they were going to be having later that evening to go over his appearance the next day in trial and, you know, things to say and that sort of thing. The next day? They were going to have the meeting that night, yeah. (laughs) Just saying it's very ironic that he was going to testify the next day. Yeah. His family and friends say that there's no way he could have taken his own life. 
And they say that such speculation is without any merit and undermines the search for his killer. Yeah, I agree with them. Yeah. They say he was a good cop. He was a happy father of five. And keep in mind, this happened a week before Thanksgiving and a month before Christmas. And I just don't see a father dipping out on his wife and five kids. You have a good job. You're a detective, like a veteran detective. So knowing that you'd be leaving your kids with nothing if you committed suicide. I just don't see that happening. Um, so I think the only thing left to say here is the fact that he was about to give that witness testimony regarding the incident with the other officer planting evidence. I think it's definitely stirred some concerns in the community that this could have been a hit to prevent that testimony, which well, of course, that's the first obvious. Yeah. I mean, there, it, could be, it could have been a suicide. It could have been... I don't know. I just feel like we're missing something. Like, his wife had to have known that he was struggling with this type of thing. I mean, what about his close friends? Yeah. Well, what type of thing? Testifying against well, his fellow... I guess you, you can't... You can't talk about it. Yeah. Like, if you talk about it, then you can be thrown out. You're like, your whole witness testimony can be thrown out. Yeah, and it just... You know, if something did happen with another officer, yeah, it would be very easy to conceal. Yeah. I also thought it was fucked up that that officer, Gondo, at, like, after Suter's death in February, said, you know, oh, yeah, he was involved, too. It's like, that man can't speak for himself. I mean, I didn't. I so, don't know. what have they have they they've obviously not ruled it a suicide. It's, oh no, it's ruled as a homicide. It's ruled as it a homicide. It was ruled as a homicide. That at the time of his death, it was ruled as a homicide. This article is saying that they're now trying to go back since they can't solve it. They're oh trying sure, to go they want to. Well, yeah, they just want to cover their bases. But the crazy thing is that the the former police commissioner was fired, Kevin Davis, and like very quickly, like the next day, they had. Um, the new police commissioner, whose name is Daryl D'Souza, he stepped up. Funny thing, when this happened, like the week this happened, Daryl D'Souza, like an article came out in the Baltimore Sun about him, how when he was a cop, he shot and killed someone. Oh, great. Yeah. On ex- I mean, on accident, of sure. course, but he shot and killed someone he was chasing. Um, so that's the police commissioner. But anyways, he says he's preparing to open the case to outside investigators for an independent review, and he's declined to um, share his opinion of his own. Well, what's your opinion? My opinion is that this is what I can't shake. I can't shake the fact that he was shot with his own service weapon. If they saw some suspicious activity and they split up, what I'm trying to think of, like when I when I watch like shows, they split up. You have your gun in your hand and you're like, so forgive me. Was the partner one of the guys that he was testifying again against in this task force? His partner was not one of the was not in the task force. No, it was um, it was just officers, like three officers he had previously worked alongside. I mean, I'm just envisioning this. If he was there, I don't think it would be that difficult for another officer who knows where they keep their weapons. I'm pretty sure it's right there in their holster on their right side. Come up behind him, take his weapon, pull it out, put it up. Mm -hmm. I mean, the second you told me where he got shot, 
I can see it. Yeah. Somebody shot him. I mean, he suicide is done. I think that I think that either happened. He was ambushed and his weapon was taken out of his holster or I think he had his radio in his left hand and he had his gun in his right hand and I think that he was ambushed and they wrestled him to the ground because this whole they say the whole scuffle between the time that he was probably attacked and the time he was shot took about eight seconds oh wow so I think that it was quick I think that this person he was not expecting it they got him down to the ground and they grabbed his gun at the same time and either while he was falling or when he was on his knees he was shot the thing is is that his gun was found under his body so but that's what i'm picturing somebody comes up behind him shoots him wants to be done with it just drops it with him yeah yeah i don't know i can i can see it how it happens i mean or he could have been but what were the other two shots that's Another huge See, mystery. Yeah, and when did I did they find those casings? When I hear that there were three shots and only one went through his body, that makes me think of like, okay, so I'm gonna come up behind you. You have your hand on a gun. You're going to there was a struggle. You're gonna like raise it in the air, shoot, shoot. I get the gun and from you. And then I you, get it. And then yeah, um, but I just feel, I just feel so awful because now people are like, oh, it was a suicide. It was this like. That family doesn't, shouldn't be. Sorry, getting... I know nothing about this case, and it does not take long for me to think that. Yeah. There's no way that it was a yeah. suicide. I think that he was getting ready to testify, and I don't, but the thing is, is like, this is such a slam dunk case. Like, those eight officers were going to go down regardless. They did, regardless. They were all found guilty in February. So I don't understand. If it was just out of his malice. testimony out of it would have really impacted yeah. the case. I don't understand. Maybe it was just out of malice. Maybe it was like, oh, you're going to testify against us. It would be gonna... interesting to know if there were other officers testifying against them that experienced anything similar. Yeah. Or part of me thinks maybe they were just trying to scare him and it went, went wrong. really wrong, which happens. Sure. I yeah. think that the intent. Or they startled him and. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, they another could've... thing, another thing is, is that so the eight officers on this task force they used to they used they were working with um, the top drug dealers in the city like kingpins. So if they heard on the radio that like people were closing in on them, they would tell them like you're getting hot, you need to move. Sure. Yeah. So they had this relationship when they had drug when they confiscated drugs they would take them to these drug dealers and say like this is this is for us to split so a part of me is wondering did one of these drug dealers or did one of these dealers hire someone or get someone to shoot him i don't know there's just there's so many people involved there's officers there's drug dealers there's also he was in a he was investigating a triple homicide, looking for a witness. There are so many angles to this that to just call it a suicide is like such a slap in the face to... Yeah, I think that's the least likely yeah. explanation at this yeah. point. So this is still, I mean, this is still ongoing. Although they've been found guilty, I don't think that they've been given a sentence yet. But in his case, is still an open homicide investigation, right? Still an open homicide, yeah. Yeah, so, 
Yeah, that is the the Crazy. shooting of, of Sean And I Suter. guess it really doesn't, I mean, it brings to light the corruption in that task force and the fact that he was involved. Yeah, the, so the aftermath of this task force is that every defense lawyer and public defender in Baltimore City is now going back to their cases where their client was put away that involved these officers. And I think some like 125 people have been let out of jail. Oh my gosh, just because of these eight or nine officers. Don't quote me on that. I read 125 either cases have been reopened or convictions turned over because... That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there was... It showed that the work they did was was faulty. It was completely baseless there was one incidence where they so they would like chase they would track these cars they would chase them and there was one police chase that resulted in another innocent pedestrian being struck and killed all because of these these police chases that they would orchestrate on their own so they have they have the blood of people on their hands they're all serving some yeah some nice sentences yeah, and I bet you that ninth guy is like, so glad I decided to <laughs> sit that one out. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. So, well, that yeah. was a good Baltimore crime. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that the family will find some justice, and hopefully this will be solved because it's a uh, yeah, it's the people that are supposed to serve and protect us, and it's one of their own and. It's just, it's tragic. Yeah, and it's, it's local, and I think we need to cover some more Baltimore crimes. There's a lot of them here. I mean, yeah, most of them are open and shut, but this one's a little different. Not necessarily, but yeah, let's follow this one. Yeah. So, so tell me about your peak. My peak of the week. Let's see, my peak of the week is that I started dating again. What? <laughs> yeah. I started dating again, and the funny thing is, is that my previous experience dating was so awful that I've had like a knot in my stomach the past couple weeks, and I cannot put my finger on as to why. But picture like you know when you like drink too much caffeine and like you're kind of just on edge and you're just like, well, yeah, that's how I've been feeling minus like the heart racing, just waiting for something to happen or like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Waiting for something bad to happen? Yes, because that's what I'm just conditioned to. And so I have been telling myself to just have fun and like... Have no expectations. Take it where it goes and that not all men are huge pieces of shit like the last guy I dated. Yeah, there's only a couple good ones out there, but... Yeah. <laughs> Hope you found one. Yeah. So I'm dating again, and it's a lot Yay. of fun. Awesome. I love it. What's your peak? What's my peak? You know, I I think I'm just going to do a, a lame weather-related peak and just be happy that it's spring. I can't <laughs> breathe out of my nose. I think that that's a wonderful indication of allergies. A whistling Dixie over there. Yeah, I know. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll edit that part out so you guys don't have to hear it. But um, but yeah, just happy that it's spring. Yeah, It's kind of a bummer that we move from our Annapolis location, but I think it's opening up it. new horizons for yeah. us. We're, we could be a Baltimore pod. Yeah, we're going to wrap this little episode up, and then we're going to drive five minutes up the street to Clavel and get ourselves a couple margaritas because they have the 
best margaritas in town and yeah we deserve it yeah we gonna treat ourselves yes well actually you're gonna treat me for my birthday True. yes i am Thanks, treating girl. patrice <laughs> my little aries murder queen <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, we we didn't do our our little plugs for this episode yet, but um, if you guys are listening, we hope that you've been enjoying it, and it's impossible to see if we get any iTunes ratings, but give us that little five-star check. Yeah, and find us on Instagram at Your Crime or Mine, and let us know what you think about the death of Sean Suter, if you think it's a suicide or if you think it was an inside job or an outside job. And we promise that no opinion will be laughed at or argued because really it's anyone's guess as to what happened here. It's a mess. Yeah, so let I us think know what you think. Discussing these types of incidents really shed a light when you can get other people's perspectives and you know, maybe we can find some things out we didn't know. Yeah. So we'd love to hear from y'all. We would. And in the meantime, stay safe. Know your surroundings. And if the husband didn't do it, then it might have been the police officer. Bye. Bye.